Wait, do I? I don't know my lines or anything. But <laughs> you I didn't hope get I don't have to do more takes. I'm a one take wonder. I don't know. We'll, okay, we'll we'll see what happens. I guess. Hey everybody, it is Mike, and we are back with an all-new episode of Working It Out. Very exciting one today, very different from the other episodes. Quick note before we begin, we added two more virtual shows. These are of particular note. I keep getting people telling me on Instagram and Twitter comments to do a more internationally friendly time. And so we added on the 27th of March for the Worldwide Comedy Pizza Party, which is a virtual comedy show with all jokes about pizza. You get pizza where you are. I eat pizza where I am. We have jokes about pizza. We added a 5 p.m. Eastern show, which means that if you're in California, you can watch it. And if you're in Europe, you can watch it. And then in other parts of the world, uh, probably. So that's exciting. Um, and the day the day later, uh, Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern, we are doing our, our benefit show. All of the proceeds, 100% of the proceeds, are going to go to food banks in Texas right now because Texas is obviously uh, struggling and we wanna, we wanna support them. We have special guests. <laughs> I'm hoping this this comes through, but they they said they would do it. Special guests on Sunday, Jimmy Kimmel, who is Jimmy Kimmel, and has been a guest on this show before, as well as Chris Bianco, uh, world famous pizza chef. So get your tickets to that. I mean, that's just outrageous. Uh, if if that comes together, that's exciting. Tickets at Burbigs.com. But today's episode is, uh, it's one of a kind. It's an actor I've admired for a long time, from uh, her roles in, in Parks and Rec to the movie Safety Not Guaranteed, as well as Funny People, as well as Ingrid Goes West and The Little Hours. Uh, she's so excellent in so many independent films. And then this new movie that she made and she produced and starred in, it's called Black Bear, and I love it. I, I couldn't recommend it more highly. Uh, seek it out. I, I, it's got all kinds of interesting twists and turns. Uh, I, I sort of, I don't know her. I, I, I sort of DM'd her about it and said if she wanted to come on the podcast, she could. She said, sure. She's filming a movie in Turkey. <laughs> so, so, so we recorded an interview and I didn't know what to expect. Uh, but we end up having a great chat uh, and I hope you enjoy it. The great Aubrey Plaza. I feel like you and I have been in the same room together a lot over the years, and I don't think we've spoken. Nope, don't think so. <laughs> Never. I think I remember. I think I remember. Yeah, no, I don't think we ever. I know who you are. I know a lot about you, but. Um, same. Yeah, no, New York. I got a lot of research. Um, I was at, for example, I was at your premiere of um, Safety Not Guaranteed at Sundance. No way. Yeah. That was crazy. That was a really crazy night. That was fun. Stand, standing ovation. I was, part of, I, I was part of the standing ovation. Crazy. Yeah. <sighs> Man. I saw, you, I saw you at that. I saw you at that, I think, because in the hallway, 
I think right afterwards they like skirted you out to another thing, and there was a it was like Always. there was a lot of there was a lot of things going on. That was you know I will just say that was one of the craziest nights of my life because I had not seen the film yet at all like that was my oh. that was my first time seeing it wow yes and not only i mean it was my first lead role but not only that the way that that movie ended was not the script at all and maybe i'm insane but i'm pretty sure that it was my idea to end the movie how it ends <laughs> i'm guarantee you i had a conversation with colin trevorrow and maybe he thought i was joking but i said you know what re- you know what should really happen to this movie you know what should really happen is the time machine should work that's how the movie it should, should end it should because work. the audience will will find hope in that and that's why people go yes. to the movie theaters and he was like, ha, ha, ha. I swear to God, they submit. Yeah. They submitted the, the original version of the movie to Sundance. Yes. It still got in with the original bleak ending yes. where the thing doesn't work and he gets arrested. And then yeah. Colin at Skywalker started experimenting with that idea, decided this is the way to go, got another you know $50,000 or whatever in post-production budget, and then wow. did it. And then did it. No reshooting, nothing. All in post- and then called me before the before the Sundance premiere, basically, and was like, teed it up for me and was like, listen, you're going to be really happy with <laughs> how this movie goes down. And I'm like, oh, yeah? So then I watch it, and I'm like, god damn. And then, what, a couple months later, Spielberg calls him, and he's now directing fucking Jurassic World and everything. I'm like... Where's my fucking Jurassic World? Yeah, where's remember, your Jurassic remember World? Remember when I told you that that was a good idea? Like, whatever, dude. But I love you, right. Colin. I'm not trying to call you out, but like, come on. <laughs> so you and I have a thing in common, clearly, which is we both love independent films. And the reason I can say that with some confidence is that you're like in a series of my favorite independent films. And the recent one that I love is Black Bear. Uh... But like Safety Not Guaranteed, Ingrid Goes West, The To-Do List, Little Hours, uh, which I know like your partner directed. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Can I say that? Am I yeah, yeah. To say that? Of course. I, we, can, we, can cut it, we can cut it out. No, we've whatever. been together for um, like 20 years. Like, it's good. It's fun. <laughs> okay. Um, I love that movie and my friend Kate McCoochie's in it and mm-hmm. she's great too. McCoochie. She loves yeah, She loves you. And uh uh, funny people, obviously, and then all the way back to Mystery Team. Like, I love, like, all the movies you're in, but I know that you love independent films, and the reason I know that is 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 because they're so goddamn hard to make. And so if you don't actually love them, you don't do them. No. No, they're, t- no, they're terrible. They're traumatizing. They're the, the, no, everyone is saying... Although I would say that, like, I've had... Because right now, I'm on a... I don't know, $50 million budget movie oh, that wow. I'm currently shooting at, in this mer- very moment. And and I'm always blown away by how every set kind of f- has the same problems, the yeah. same disasters, <laughs> like the same bullshit. Like, and it's amazing to me because I'm like, it, you don't need, like, this feels exactly like all the indies. But I mean, of course, there's like other shit that goes on and, you know, that that money brings and what whatever. But like just the shooting of it and all that stuff, it's like shooting a movie is the set. Like we're just shooting. Yeah, it's a disaster every time. But it's it's such a man. What a rush. What a, a rush. rush. 
It's weird though, because you have to love the movies themselves to do them because they're so goddamn hard. And then you, I mean, you've hosted the Indie Spirit Awards two years in a row. Mm-hmm. And you make joke you make a lot of jokes about how like we make these great movies, nobody sees them. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Film Independent Spirit Awards, where we celebrate the movies that are too important to see. (laughs) The network's first choice to host was no one, but they're already booked for tomorrow. So you've got me. I was going back, and I was trying to figure out with funny people... um, how, how, like whether you did stand up and it was like oh you know you you did stand up for the movie basically like you learned yeah. how to do stand up for the movie <laughs> yeah. and then I was like and then I was like thinking like will you do stand up again and then I was like oh well you sort of are because you're hosting like the Indie Spirit Awards and that sort of is stand up in its own right it's like a, you know you're doing 10 minutes at the top of both shows and not only that like last year's one people should YouTube this you do a musical number? <laughs> okay. <laughs> First and of all. it's good. It's legitimately good. It was okay. Okay. It was okay. I'd give it a, you know, six out of ten. But um, uh, that was my first time doing stand-up in ten years, something. The lot, because I had to do, I, I went up at, two clubs before the show, before the first time I hosted the Independent Spirit Awards two years ago, because Kroll and Mulaney, you know, because I was asking Kroll and Mulaney, like, you know, what do you guys do? How do you prepare? Like, do you go up? Do you do the set? And they were like, absolutely. But, you know, they're like the <laughs> most stand-up-y of stand-ups. Um, and so they were like, yes, definitely go and, like, try out your material. And I was like, fuck, I haven't done this in like 10 years. And that it was so terrifying. I mean, then it was yeah. like doubly terrifying to do it in front of like Glenn Close and her dog. But like it was, <laughs> but it was actually more, ter- it was actually more terrifying to to go up at some random club to do it. Cause I just was like, fuck, I really haven't done this in so long. And I remember it all came back to me and I was like, God, it's the hardest thing to do in the world. I, ha- I give it the most credit but it is also the most rewarding thing and the scariest it's just so crazy stamp is so crazy the, oh the other thing is like when you're hosting the indie spirit awards twice in a row i was just thinking like so i guess you'll host the oscars are you gonna host the oscars i would but no one's knocking down my door i bet i don't know call. i bet they'll call i don't think i'm big enough for that i don't think i'm like clean i don't think i'm like i check off all the bo- all the quadrants i think no? i think i do i think i'm a four quadrant Superstar, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think I don't know if I. They, I that's going to be the title of the episode. I think I'm a four quadrant superstar. They would have to pair me with like, you know, someone. Andy like, Samberg. I would say more like you know, I don't know Donald Glover or like just someone that's right. like bam like. Oh yeah, know, because like, you went to school with you went to school with Donald. Like, because you got you you guys came up at the same time. Yeah, we did. We went to we went to we were in the same class at NYU together, and then we did UCB stuff together. And then they, he cast me in my first movie ever, Mystery Team. Yeah, my Mystery Team, which is amazing, yeah. and is real. By the way, really good for being like this no budget movie. I wouldn't. I don't even remember. All I remember is fight. <laughs> uh, fighting with Dan Ekman in the woods, even though it was my first movie. I remember like being like, you think that 
that's how a shot's put together. And I was oh like, my god, really? Whatever. No, I was an idiot. I was an idiot. But like, no, it was the best. He's great. All of them are great. Are you a difficult actor? No, I'm the. I'm a fucking <laughs> blast. I am a blast. You can't wait to work with me. No, all I care, all I care about is the movie. Oh. You have this thing that I I've never been able to uh figure out, which is like there's this clip reel that people should watch on YouTube also, which mm-hmm. is of you on all these talk shows oh and and it's like like 17 million views of like back to back to back like you like sort of like like digging into the host in a way that sort of makes it uncomfortable with the host mm-hmm. and and it's so funny and i when i watch it i'm like oh she's fearless I, like what the like i wish i could be that fearless and i'm like where does it come from okay first of all I'm never doing a talk show again. And I say, and I'm saying that now, mark my words. Um, Because every time I do it, I'm like, all right, this time I'm just going to be likable. And then like literally the minute before I go on, I'm like, I'll just have a a quick drink. Uh, Or, you know, or I don't know. No, I'll just have a quick drink. No, no. Okay, no, 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 no. I don't do that. But no, I have, but I have done that. But I think... I don't know what it is. I swear to God, I black out every time. I don't know. Fuck. This is, I told you this was going to happen. It's no big deal. Okay, no big just deal. give me one second. Just one, just one, keep one rolling. second. Okay, keep rolling. rolling. Keep just rolling. Just one second. Fuck. Yeah. Just. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh dear. Sorry, just one Sorry. second. No big deal at all. This is, don't worry about what's happening. Hear. Don't ask any questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing happened. Um, it's oh my just, God. it's really, um, was it, was it food? Sure. Yes. Okay. Um, no, it's really hard to get, um, drugs here, but thank you so much. Just put them in a, just in a pile, right? Nope. We're good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, I never saw you. Um, no, we're good. We're good. I could get... Or maybe arrested for making that joke. So when is this going to be re- do you want me to, released? Do you want me to cut out? In no, like I don't two know. Or three I, weeks. I, I, it's fine. I can cut that out if you want. I, I don't really care. Okay. Okay. All right. Wait. So we were talking about talk shows. Okay. So and you're talk like, shows. The moment before you go before you go on, you're like you 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 just throw the script out the window. I don't know. I like I said. I feel like I black out every time. I have no plan. I there's just something about the pre-interview because you've done them, so you know. Like that, there's something about the pre-interview thing where they call you and they're like, they had that conversation and then they yeah. record it and then they're like, and then you said this, and yes. it is kind of like doing stand-up where you're like trying to kind of hit the jokes or something, but. There's just something so unnatural about it that I think I tend to like, I just act, I lash out. I don't know how to deal with it, but I honestly, to be to be really sincere, like I every time I do them, I'm so nervous, like I'm so scared. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. And every time I do it, I'm like, I'm never doing this again. Why yeah. are you making me do? And then I'm like, I don't have to do this. It's like I go yeah. down a shame spiral where I'm like, what am I doing? This isn't why I. Do anything. This is like bullshit. And like, I'm like an 
you know, I just go like, it's so self-involved, yeah. but I just go into like, and then I think like my way to deal with that is to like, I don't know, just fuck it up or I don't know. Do you, just to derail it. Cause derail that seems it. fun. It seems, yeah. it just seems more truthful. I'm like, if I can f- have a moment of, if I can just feel like this is, we're having an authentic moment, like we're actually like, even if it's awkward, I'll take the hit. I'm like, I'd rather humiliate myself um, than um, lose my dignity. I don't know. I get that. I get that. I mean, like, you and I have another thing in common. You and I, for having never met, we have actually a bunch of stuff in common. And I, I hope that's not insulting. <laughs> Maybe we should run away together. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the beginning of a... Of a what do they call that? Elope, elopement. It's a Zoom rom-com. We could do this <laughs> in the quarantine. Stepping away from my conversation with Aubrey Plaza to send a shout out to our sponsor, Samuel Adams, one of our first sponsors way back last summer. Uh, they're doing this great thing. Uh, you know, I, I, I tried to raise money for, for wait staff across the country at comedy clubs with Tip Your Wait Staff. They're doing a thing called the Restaurant Strong Fund. Uh, obviously, so many industries are devastated by COVID-19 closures, but perhaps none as severely as the restaurant industry. Thankfully, Sam Adams has teamed up with the nonprofit Greg Hill Foundation to create the Restaurant Strong Fund. This is an exciting update. To date, Sam Adams has distributed 7,384 grants to restaurant workers with donations exceeding $8 million to donate to the Restaurant Strong Fund in support of these restaurant industry workers who need our help, visit samueladams.com. And now, back to the show. We have this thing in common. We both had medical issues when we were young. Oh, really? So you, oh, really? I, like, right. I, I'm oh, only, right, I'm only right. saying this because you, you've said this in, in interviews yeah. that you had, you had a stroke when you were 19. I had cancer, bladder cancer when I was 19. Oh, wow. And I, I'm convinced when people say like, what do you think it was your driving force? Like, like to be, make it when you were younger. Cause like, I, you know, like I had like some success early in my career. And I think part of it was like, I was like, oh, I might die. So I got to figure yeah. this out fast. I got to figure this out fast. Totally. Totally. It changes your perspective because you're like, oh, nothing matters. That's great. Great. Yeah. Great. It could all end in a second. I literally had a stroke while I was talking about a Hillary Duff concert. I mean, literally just (laughs) Hillary Duff stroke. Wow. I was fine. I didn't feel anything before that. I felt totally normal in the just it's like getting hit by a bus. It's just shit can happen. So, you know, what are we doing here? I don't know. Right. It never goes. Your death isn't going to go how you plan it. Mm-mm. I had that. I had that when, um, yeah, I had a bladder tumor when I was 19. And I, I went from being like, being like, okay, I'm going to live until I'm whatever age to being like, well, maybe I'll die next week. Wait, but did they tell you like they didn't do they didn't do the biopsy on the tumor 
it took like a week to get the biopsy back. So if the biopsy had said, and it, it came back and said it was a malignant tumor, but that it hadn't spread. Oof. But if they came back and said it was a malignant tumor and it spread, it would have been like, oh, I'm done. Right, right. So you got to see, you were so close to that. Yeah, I understand that. My mom said to me the other day on the phone, she goes, she goes, we're because they're they're like moving. And she goes, we're going through our old papers and we found the pathology on your tumor. (laughs) And she said, uh, when the doctor gave us this, he said, uh, put this in your glove compartment to remind you of how close how close it can all always be. Okay. Yeah. Um, did you? No. No. no, no, I, no, no, I, no. I, I don't even I don't even I don't even have it. Oh, I yeah, said to yeah. my mom. I said to my mom like, "Can you send it to me? Like I want it for my glove compartment." Wow. That's so yeah, I just had a flash of my like MRI of like the hole in my brain. I remember that very clearly when I saw that and they said, "And then here's where the blood clot was, just like a dark, just a tiny dark hole just right in my left uh, my gosh, temporal lobe. And I was like, well, is that going to like close up? And they were like, no, once it's there, it's there. And you're just what lucky a, that you're not paralyzed. What if a reviewer was like, we love, uh, you know, like black bear is mesmerizing. And I don't know what it is about Aubrey Plaza's performance. Maybe it's the hole in her brain. <laughs> I feel like that's <laughs> something I would say about myself. It's just a <laughs> hole in my brain. I don't know. <laughs> Your performance in that movie is so bananas. It's like, like for me, it was like a moment where I go, <laughs> it was like the end of The Usual Suspects <laughs> where all of these things come together <laughs> and I have flashes of all of Aubrey's movies that she's made <laughs> that I love and I go, she's one of the greatest living actors. <laughs> oh my God. It really is. It this, really is. Oh my god! I'm serious. I'm that's that was my experience. You can't take that away from me. Okay, Mike. I won't. <laughs> um, when you, the only thing, the only reason I would tell you to not act in every movie, which you are, uh, is <laughs> um, is that uh, you should direct. Why? Why aren't you? Why are you not directing? I, especially, I'm, especially since. In the indie spirit hosting, you make all these jokes about how there's not enough women directors. Meanwhile, you got all the fucking gold waiting to deliver to the cast yourself. Look, I'm 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 very close. I just think I've spent too many um years uh being too precious about that situation. I went I've always wanted to direct. I directed I directed the, you know, the the Spirit Awards videos and those little things, which I'm very proud of. But like, that's great. They're not, you know. But like, no, I'm gonna direct. I've just been very much like overthinking it and too precious about it. And it's like, I movies to me are like my life. Like they keep me alive. Like since I was a child, and so like the thought of like making a film that's not the best movie that's ever been right. made is like, well, I'd, I'd kill myself. Like, I just kill myself. Like, I just can't think of doing it in a way that won't, I'll probably die at the end of directing my first movie. I'll just like direct it and then just just drive right off the cliff. 
I don't think that's a good outcome. Okay. Oh, no, you're right. Okay, I take it back. I take it back. I'm just being, see, this is what I mean. I'm being like over dramatic about It's so stupid. I could literally direct, I could do a short film. And I'm going to direct something tonight and I'm going to email it to you. I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of ideas. No, okay, to be, but to be totally like, to, I I that means a lot to me. Like it really means a lot to me because it's not you know I don't know. You're just saying it based on I don't even know what, but it does mean a lot to me, I, to, and it is something that I want to do. I'll say I'll tell you but, exactly what I'm what what it's based on. So, um, when I directed I directed Sleepwalk with Me and Don't Think Twice. And yeah. Sleepwalk with Me was uh, it was super super hard because directing a first feature is so hard because. There's essentially no training. Even people who go to film school, mm-hmm. they direct their first feature and they go like, oh, I, I, I did not have any idea really what I was yeah. doing. Like everybody says that. And, but what, what got me through was improv. And, mm-hmm. that, and it was just improv skills. Just yes and, yes and, yes and. Like people coming up to being, you know, this costume or this costume. You go, uh, yes and this, uh, you know, this actor, this actor. Yes mm-hmm. and this thing. And it's like, that's all it is. And you're such a great improviser, and then you're so good with, you know, like, like essentially, like, there's, I think there's a lot of stand-up in it, too. Like, I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of, like, you're speaking to, like, big groups of people all the time. You really have to be able to read a room. That's for yes. sure. Like, you really have to be able to, like, feel the vibe of the room and the vibe of the people. And, like, to me, the best directors are the people that truly engage the crew, engage their actors and inspire them. Like they're, they're not people that would get up there and bomb and be like, fuck you. Like those are yes. people that suck, but I don't know. I was, try- I was trying to think about today. Like, why is it that, why is it that, uh, like pe- people like you and I like independent films so much as opposed to studio films. And I think it's because and it's the same reason why I think you should direct because I think it's a singular vision. I think in independent films, you get more people going like, even like your boyfriend, like Little Hours is so clearly like such a weird movie, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. It's no, no, so no, totally weird. Like, but like no studio would make that movie. Like that, that movie is so funny and so weird. And when I watch it, I'm like, I mean, the, you know, with independent films, you go like, this movie could have flaws, this blah, 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 but it feels like someone gave it everything they had. Yeah. Yeah. You're see, yeah, you're like seeing into someone's like entire being. It's like, it's a total representation of like the inside of someone for sure. I mean, I definitely think so. That's why, that's why studio movies and like really big movies, like it's really hard to make a, it's really hard to make a, a great huge movie to have it be really great and huge at the same time because of that reason, because there's too many, there's just too many cooks in the kitchen, you know? There's too many cooks. Yeah. With Black Bear, I love this movie so much. And, and I think part of the reason why it's so hard to get independent films out to people is because if I made Black Bear and I, I starred and produced in Black Bear like you did, I wouldn't know how to pitch it to people because I think everything you say gives away some piece of the experience of the movie. Mm-hmm. So how do you pitch it to people? Like when you want people to see Black Bear, what do you say to them? Oh, my! I'm the worst person to ask. I mean, I'm 
I say like, I say like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's kind of like a psychological, like horror movie about a, like a couple's worst nightmare. And then it be, and then it kind of like, I don't know. See, that's when I get, that's when I get stuck. I say I, my, my like thing that I've said on like talk shows, which is literally that it's like two nightmares combined into one mega nightmare. At least that's, I only know the movie from my experience and that's how, that's how it felt to (laughs) me. So it's hard for me to like describe it objectively. Like, I don't know. It's like, it's a movie about the, it's a movie about the, talk you know the complications of making a movie with your intimate partner i don't know there's so many things you can say about it even even that even that i think gives it away totally it does it's totally my my pitch for it is and i talked to uh on the podcast recently i had frank oz and he directed this really great uh concert film called in and of itself and with Derek Delgadio, and it's on mm. Hulu or whatever. And it's like really this beautiful theater piece that has elements of illusion and magic and storytelling and all these interesting things in oh, oh, a no, single No, 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 thank story. you. See, sorry. Literally, just um, no, they just come in and yeah, yeah. it's fine. Uh, so we were talking about, it's like, how do you sell, how do you sell a movie that's so great and not, without giving away the experience of it and like and and i had this with don't think twice where like where the trailer gave away that keegan michael key gets cast on like snl Mm -hmm. and i'm like and i look at the trailer i'm like you got to be fucking kidding me that happens 30 minutes into the movie (laughs) you're gonna give away the first 30 minutes of tension in a movie Mm mm-hmm but but you're really up against it with people because they want to sell the movie and the only it's this conundrum of the only way to sell the movie is to give people a piece of the movie right to get to make them feel like they've already experienced it and that they liked it yeah it's yeah i know that's why yeah it's like that's i don't know but were you a part of that like process of making the trailer? Like, did you watch it and then go like, no, I don't like that, make it again? Or did they just do it and then go like, here it is? They did it, they did it, they showed it to us. Yeah. And there's always that thing in in show business where they go, huh? Right. You like this? Yeah, this is good, right? <laughs> right. You know? right. We love it. Now we love, <laughs> right. we, lo- <laughs> we love it. But to you, (laughs) yeah, they're like, is there something wrong with you if you don't? Right. So they did that, and then, uh, and then we were like, this is not going to work at all. And then we sort of like, that's good. You you know, there's another big show business thing, which is the very uh, a common thing, which is uh, you ever have this where they go, um, they go, this is the person who cuts the trailers for the Cohen brothers. You don't think you're better than the Cohen brothers, do mm-hmm. you? And you're like, no, no, I would never. No, I, but, uh, <laughs> you know, and so you're yeah. like backed into this corner of like agreeing with something just because uh, they're comparing you to someone who's better than they're you. They're just trying to put you in your place, Mike. Do not let them do that. Mm-hmm. 
So this is a thing we do on on working it out, which is just called the slow round, and it's like sort of memory memory prompts and things like that. And and it's like one of them is based on seeing you host the Indie Spirit Awards, and I was like, oh, <laughs> you can sing too, and and so I was like, I was like, what other skill do you have that no one knows about? I can play the saxophone. Oh my gosh, really? I'm not that good, but I, you know, I played it on Conan once, actually. My my friend's band was the guest band, and we all had grown up together since we were teenagers. It was a, like a totally, wow. like, insane night where we were like, can you fucking believe this? You are the musical, and I'm the thing. And, like, remember when we were 15? Oh my gosh. Um, and I played the saxophone with them. Like, it's just, a, you know, just one song. I don't know. It's boring. I can do that. <laughs> You, I, I, I heard in another interview that you play basketball. I play basketball. I'm very athletic. Took a golf lesson today. I'm a, I think Did I'm you a, really? Yeah. I'm a, I think I'm more of a jock than anyone would ever think of me as. But I don't know what people yeah. think of me as. But I'm, I was born, I grew up very, like my dad kind of just, you know, raised me like, a, like his son, you know. He was the coach of all my teams and I was, you know, oh, here's one thing that nobody knows about me that sometimes I forget. When I was really young, uh, I think probably around seven to 10, I competed in Irish dancing competitions. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. That's huge. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Which is so funny because I forget that. And then sometimes I'll have these like flash of these like leprechauns that used to be at the feshes that would that's what they would call the irish dancing competitions were called feshes you would go wow. there'd be these like scary like leprechaun guys and i'd be dressed in those you know they were dresses that you had to wear the the traditional you wow know, river dance so is your is your <laughs> is your mom or dad irish is that why you got into that so my mom is irish but she was adopted by a a super, super Irish uh, couple. And then, you know, I, so I do Irish dancing and then I'd go into my dad's family's Puerto Rican. So then, you know, I'd be going with them and they'd be like, move your hips, you know, salsa dancing in the kitchen and I wouldn't move my arms. And I think it actually psychologically <laughs> has something to do with what's wrong with me because I'm like, it's like, a, you know, those are two very different styles of dance. <laughs> right, it's like you try to do Puerto Rican dance and you try to do Irish step dancing, you have a stroke. Exactly. <laughs> you have a hole. It creates a hole in your brain. Yeah, it literally stroked me out. I stroked out. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it didn't um, compute. What? What's like the? What's the best piece of advice anyone's ever given you that you used? That like what that that worked? Hmm. Like a piece of advice where you like still think about it today? Ah. Uh, Amy Poehler, I feel like Amy, who it was a huge like mentor for me, still is. She's like my big sister or something. Aww. She, I feel like she taught me the the like power of no, and the oh, sk- and yeah. the skill of 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 saying no to things, and and that to me always sticks to me. I literally still think like, well, what would what would Amy do, and like, how would she feel about this? Because like. You know, there's like so many situations where you just, I had that like kind of codependent kind of like 
thing where I'm like, I have to, I can't miss out on the, I can't, or like I have yeah. to say yes, or I have to do what they want me to do, or I have to like, whatever. And then like a lot of times I just try to think of like, what would Amy do? And then I'm like, Amy wouldn't give a shit. She'd be like, no. And then she like wouldn't go or she wouldn't do it. And then she would end up getting what she wanted anyway, because that's what usually happens when you say no. You say no and then right. you end up like actually. So I don't know. That's maybe like a more like worky answer, but. No, um, no, that's a good answer. I think that's just across the board in life. Yeah. Like just say no. Like you don't have to do any, like just. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get caught up in other people's expectations and desires for you. It's like, keep it, lock it down. I have that like with, when people ask me for advice, it's similar, which is I go, do what you love and not what you like. Mm. Because I feel like we we all get stuck in things that we're like, yeah, I like that. And then you're in it and you're like, I'm tired. (laughs) Yeah, like, why am I really, like, why am I doing this? Yeah. And you know when you love something, it's like you don't even think about it because you just love it. Yeah. You're happy. Do you have a memory on a loop that you think about but sometimes, but like it, but it's not part of a story. It's just like a thing from your childhood that you think about. I I remember I have like a like a loop memory of being barefoot. And running around the grass of the community pool that I used to go to in Delaware, which was called Shellcrest Swimming Pool. And it was like, I guess, where I spent all my summers as a kid because I think that's what you do. You take your kid to the community pool and you just let them leave. And I have like the memory of being barefoot and running on the field, which is like right next to the pool. And... Uh, getting stung by bees because it was just constantly just running around in the grass and like that feeling of just like getting stung by bees and then having um, like popsicles like dripping down your hand. And I have a lot of like pool. Yeah. Like community pool. My gosh. Loops. Like, I don't know why I think about my, the bees and I think about stepping on bees. It's so funny because I, my next show that I'm developing for whatever, off-Broadway, Broadway, whatever it ends up being, is called YMCA Pool. Because my most really? evocative memory has to do with going as a child over and over again to YMCA Pool. And actually, like... No way. That's what the, the whole show is about this metaphor <laughs> of hitting middle age and realizing, like, this place that I, I vowed to never return to. Because I was like, I'm never going back to the YMCA Pool. I went to nursery school there, whatever. And then here I am, I'm, like, 40 years old, and I'm like... I have to go back to the YMCA pool because my doctor is like, it's a safe exercise and you mm. need to do you need to do exercise. You need to swim. Yeah. And and so like, yeah, the pool thing, it's super evocative. Like I used to go to the YMCA pool as a kid, and then same thing. Like I would we'd go to this place called North Court uh in Massachusetts, and it was just like it's very like 70s, 80s, like it was a commune of people who shared like these tennis courts in a swimming pool and we would go mm-hmm. and like for hours. And you know, what's so funny is like so different from the way people raise their children today, including my own daughter, which is like, I remember just what, like sitting in the woods next to a tennis court, just watching my parents play tennis uh-huh. for hours, for uh-huh. hours, like no activity, like just uh-huh. like Mike, just like Mike, like sit there and yeah. just, just <laughs> figure out what you're going to do. 
honestly, that's why you are so great. Like that is why, that's a very Danish um, parenting method, by the way. I've read some books on Danish parenting and they do that. They, they just, they, they believe in just let, putting their kid in like a park or whatever and not supervise and just go and just going be bored. Oh, that's like, interesting. Just, anyway, by accident, you got Danish parented, I guess. You got Danish parented! (laughs) (laughs) That's your new prank show? That's like the, oh, God, you know, the the Danish people are so happy that I wish I got Danish parented. Maybe that's a, it's a, it's a prank show called (laughs) Danish parented. And you take strangers, children, and you put them in a field and you say, you figure it out. And Mm -hmm. five hours later, you show up with your camera crew and you go, you got Danish parented! (laughs) Yeah, and then it's like um, seven up or whatever, and then like in like thirty years, the person's like a doctor that like fixed COVID or whatever, and they're like everyone nailing it. These people. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. People make fun of me because how often I reference documentaries on this podcast. Hmm. But uh, Aubrey's referencing Seven Up, the documentary. It's a British documentary. If you haven't seen it, there's like ten of them. There's like seven up and like what fourteen up. I think they do it like every set every every seven years. Seven years, I think. And then like the last one was I think fifty six up, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And and it was so good. I saw it at the IFC Center. I have not seen that. I need to see that. It's devastating because you watch people age and you realize when you watch it that you're going to age. No. And that life and that life isn't fair and it's not gonna go like you thought. <laughs> that's the take that's my takeaway from that movie. But I, I highly recommend it. The, that documentary series. It's profound. I think it's very profound. What other what are your favorite documentaries? Favorite documentary, my quintessential favorite documentary, and it's so dark, is um Capturing the Freedmans. Yeah. That was great. Just because, because if people haven't seen it, I don't want to give it away, but it's like, it's, so a, it's a movie that starts, it starts about one thing yeah. because the documentary intended to make something about one thing. And then by the end, it's about a completely different thing. And when I say completely, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, it's not the same movie practically. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it, and, uh, and to me, and maybe you could speak to this in terms of like, you know, producing and creating things. But it's like, to me, that's like the level, when we talk about like directing and the the level of improv skill that goes into directing, that's the flexibility I think you have to have as a creator of like, you know, this might be this, but then it actually might be this other thing that I don't realize yet. Always. That is the number one thing that first-time directors fuck up on. They don't realize that the movie is a living, breathing thing. You have to feed it and care for it and let it grow and let it evolve. Like, Ingrid Goes West was like, again, not the scripts. Like, we would be, we would, you have to pay attention to what's going on when you're shooting and go like, you know what, like that scene doesn't work anymore because this is happening now. So now we have to adjust and people that are just super controlling and can't do that or are afraid to do that or won't whatever, like the movie can be good, it won't be great. It's like the movies that are great are movies that have evolved. Stepping away from my conversation with Aubrey Plaza to send a shout out to an amazing hot sauce called truff 
Truff is a luxury hot sauce that I love. It has a, a unique blend of uh, real black truffles, red chili peppers, uh, uh, organic agave nectar and delicate spices. Uh, it pairs well with, with pizza, because you know me, with pizza and also pairing. <laughs> <laughs> Truff is, uh, it's taken the internet by storm. The Instagram and TikTok handles at Sauce have the largest following of any hot sauce brand in the world. They have 10,000 five-star reviews uh, on, on the Whole Foods and Amazon sites. Truff has been named on Oprah's Favorite Things for two years in a row, and it's made locally in Southern California. You can get 15% off site-wide when you use promo code BRBIGS on their site, truff.com, T-R-U-F-F.com. Shop truff.com and use promo code BRBIGS. And now, back to the show. What's the hardest you've ever laughed with? Like, are, is there, like, friends or family members who, like, make you laugh harder than anybody? Yes. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I have a lot of funny characters in my family, but I have a friend named, <laughs> name, I think, I literally laugh when I just say her name. I have a friend from that I grew up with named Cassie Collins, who I'm still friends with. And she was like, we were really, like, she was like my best friend in like middle school. And like, she was really cool when I was in middle school. Um, and she was kind of, like, bad, like, and we would, like, smoke cigarettes in the woods and, like, set things on fire in the woods and stuff. And, like, <laughs> I used but, to do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, just, like, <laughs> put a lighter to, like, branch and be like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> like whatever. But, um, but she made me laugh so hard once that I threw up. And this wasn't that, this, I swear to God, and this wasn't, this wasn't that long ago. It was a couple oh years ago. Gosh. And I was at, at Umami Burger. Wow. And... I don't, fuck, I can't remember what she said to me, but she does this thing to me. And we used to do it a lot when we were in school. And we went to an all-girls Catholic school. Yeah. Um, and so we'd be, like, in chapel services a lot and stuff like that. And she would, like, lean over. <laughs> she would, like, lean over to me and be, like, she'd be, like, imagine, she'd be, like, imagine Mrs. Sherman crashing through the stained glass window <laughs> where, wearing a, an old-timey pilot outfit. Like what our just like our, oh our like our English teacher or something and like just I like just dumb stuff like she'd be like um, she'd be like imagine Steve Buscemi like riding on a broom just picture it right now like and she still does it to me like as adults that's like, amazing that's a great great premise for how to make someone laugh yeah just make use your imagination I guess back to the basics we just think well, about <laughs> we just think you about got, things. You, it sounds like it sounds like you got Danish parented. <laughs> yes. Did no, I didn't. Did I? Maybe I did. I think you did. I think you, I you know did. What's so funny? I think your thing with Cassie is like reminds me of this thing that my wife makes fun of me about a lot, which is like I'll be like I'll reference my childhood best friend Michael Kavanaugh, who we mm -hmm. also went to Catholic school like mm -hmm. a lot. I'd be like, well, Michael Kavanaugh was actually a better dribbler than I was in soccer, and blah blah <laughs> blah. Like as though anyone gives a shit at all. 
but like, like similarly, similarly, like there's something about childhood friends that I think he and I can make each other laugh like no other. And it's like, there's something oh, yeah, about no. that. Cassie like destroys me. Like I can't even deal with it. Like, and, and uh, no one really understands why, like Jeff is just like, I literally just blank stare. Like, I don't know what you got, like what's going on, but it's like, I'll cry. I threw up outside of Umami Burger because she said something about Steve Buscemi again. Like, I don't know what her thing is. She said, oh I don't know what it was, but I, I started choking because I was laughing. I choke on my own uh, spit and then I barfed. <laughs> like, I barfed <laughs> in a plant. So that was like a first for me. And that's the ad for this episode of this <laughs> podcast. Um, Mary Carr has this great book, Art of Memoir, uh, and it's just about writing autobiographical work Mm -hmm. and and she's always asks people what do people like and dislike most about you i think people like i don't know people like okay i think like the people that are in my world like my circle i think people like that i am caring that i care like that i that i care about them or is that a th- is that a thing? That's right. I think that's um, the thing. Yeah, I think I we're going to count that. Did we're going to count that. Let, let me go to the other one. The other one's easier. People don't like. <laughs> um, <laughs> people don't like um, that I can be flaky. Like I would say that sometimes I can be kind of wish wishy washy, flaky. You know, cancelly, canceling, canceling. Yeah. Flaky yeah. sometimes. Um, you just bail. You bail on people. I shift gears. I, I would say yeah. because I would say also one thing that people like about me is that I'm loyal. Like I'm loyal, and I. And <laughs> I, I love that it took you 15 I, minutes I, to I, say the I, word I, loyal. I, okay, this is like I, I have a lot of like friend, like con- friends that I've like my friends like are friends that I've known forever. Like, and they're still yeah. my friends. You know, like. Yeah. Um, just like straight up, I don't. That's huge. I that's don't a know. Huge, that's, that's a hugely positive quality. Yeah, I really stick stick with it. I stick stick with people, and I don't. Yeah. I don't. I haven't. I don't think I've changed that really that much. Maybe that's what people like. I think that's great. I'm that's sure a great answer. A lot of the things people don't like about me too. But why do you think you? Why do you think you're flake sometimes? I think I just I think because I have a sometimes have a hard uh I have commitment you know issues maybe sometimes yeah. I like it's like funny cuz if someone does it to me like people that are yeah. that cancel on me or that bail on me or flake out on me like I can't remember a single time that I've ever been mad at someone for that Ever, oh, it's it's actually this weird thing where if someone does it to me, I'm like, yes, because yes. like then I don't have to go or do what I do yes. the other thing. Yes. And I think I think I'm very not to be like you know astrological about it, but I do feel like I am true to my cancer um, self in that like I think actually like hibernating and staying inside and not you know, going out there is actually like what my insides really want because I think I'm a very, very very sensitive person. So I get really 
overwhelmed, but then to ba- to to deal with it, I think I just I I zorp into like another person and I go like yeah. I'm now confident. Yeah! But I think I actually yes. am not. And I think actually I'm pretty shy as a person. And so like I think sometimes I just get scared and sometimes I just decide I get freaked out or I just go like I just can't I just can't go through with things sometimes. I don't know. Because I don't have an audience mm-hmm. to perform in front of, I just work things out with other comedians and friends who I think are really funny. Okay. And so I'm just gonna just run bits by you, but they mm-hmm. don't have to, you don't have to laugh or enjoy them, or even like you could be critical. You could like figure mm-hmm. you'd be like, that's stupid, or mm-hmm. that's not gonna work, or maybe you should try something else. Like try try maybe do, another do your or accent again or <laughs> um we, uh, so I wrote this. So the show, like I'm, like I said, I've been working on the show about the YMCA pool, and um, and so I say I've been actively avoiding the YMCA pool since I was seven years old. When I was four, and this is true, my mom took me into the women's locker room and at the YMCA, and I had never seen a vagina before. And then I saw 100 vaginas. And when I was five, she sent me into the men's locker room, and the only thing more shocking than a hundred vaginas is a hundred penises at eye level. <laughs> and, and, but I, the point is I just never wanted to go back to the YMCA. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I don't know if it was the locker room incident or the chlorine you can smell from 10 miles away or the half blown up basketballs or the snack machine room with a coffee maker that also makes soup. What about the soupy, like moist, damp, bathroom floors that's what i always remember from community pools is like going in there and then they had that like weird grate on it that's supposed to like filter the wet and then be like a thing disgusting that sits barefoot on a bathroom floor in the pool i don't want to go back there yeah you know what's so funny is i said to uh my friend esty i was telling her that i was going to the ymca pool and she was like she was like, where? She was, she was like, uh, she was like, wear flip flops. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, you, you get fungus. She was like, you get fungus that goes through in your skin, like through your toes. And I'm just like, oh God, that sounds awful. Um, I definitely wasn't uh, wearing flip flops when I was going to the community pool. I'll tell you that much. Same, same. So then I, so then I wrote a couple bits about signs at the YMCA pool because I think that signs could be a thematic mm-hmm. a thematic thing that runs through and um one of the signs at the pool says uh swim attire must be modest and clean mm-hmm. and I and I thought oh well it's modest but it may not be clean laundry day is Tuesday <laughs> um and then it says uh Obey the lifeguard at all times. And I was like, at all times? Because I've heard some stories. <laughs> at all times? You mean like tonight? Like when I'm... <laughs> before I go to bed? <laughs> um, and then uh, there's, a, there's just a couple more. I go... Uh, and it, there's a sign that says, Strong Swimmers... Confident kids, which is probably true, but I'd appreciate a sign that says, weak swimmers will do your taxes when they're adults. (laughs) 
And then I, I have one last one, which is uh, this is sort of a short one, which is like I've started in in middle age. I've started getting facials mm-hmm. uh, like every couple months because I have adult acne. And good for you. <laughs> last year, my facialist said to me. Uh, she's like, you look, you look better than before. Like she's got sort of an Eastern European accent that mm-hmm. I don't do that well. And, uh, <laughs> and I go, I go, thanks. Like my skin. And she goes, no, you lost weight. You used to be pizza boy. <laughs> no. And she, and she had, she had to search for the word. And that was the part I found insulting. Cause she like, she was like, what is it? She's like, you used to be like, you know, sometimes you blurt something out and mm-hmm. you're like, ah, I shouldn't have called him Pizza Boy. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have said Pizza Boy. But this was more like, ah, wait for it. Wait for it. Let's get the exact right word. Uh, Pizza Ooh. Boy. And then I thought, and then I thought, like, has everyone been calling me Pizza Boy behind my back for 10 years? Like, to be clear, <laughs> she didn't say Pizza Man. Pizza Man is a dignified profession where you deliver pizzas. Pizza boy eats pizza and has acne. Mm-hmm. Love it. Gold. Yes, it's nice, right? There's mm-hmm. something there. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um well that that's that's helpful to know. The and then I have one other pizza bit, which is I, I'm obsessed with pizza. I'm 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 actually literally doing a virtual comedy show uh in, in like a week from now that is all pizza jokes, and I'm not making this up. It's all pizza <laughs> jokes. My agent thinks I'm insane, and I may be. He's like, um, he's like, Mike, I don't know why you're doing this. And I'm like, uh, you're because like, I love pizza. I'm pizza boy. <laughs> Everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> so the last thing we do in the show is really quick. I, I donate to a nonprofit that you think is doing a good job, and then we post it in the show notes. I love that. That's so cool that you do that. I was going to pick the Hispanic Federation, which is a nonprofit organization that I worked with in Puerto Rico. Oh, that's um, great. For disaster relief. Like, I went to Puerto Rico with them, and they, oh, wow. they were so awesome. They're based in New York. They're fucking great, and they... Um, they're, I think, one of the best, like, you know, Latinx, like, Hispanic or nonprofit organizations out there because they're re- they have so many connections to other, like, grassroots organ- organizations in Lat- Latino communities. And, um, and so they really, uh, you really see where your money goes. It's like they are in the communities they have. They have so many different programs. They're, they're just killing, they're crushing it in that game. That's amazing. And they're really. That's, uh- I'm so glad up, to know yeah. about. I'm so glad to know about that. Yeah, uh, and I'm so glad to know that you're involved with that. And I will donate, and I will put the link in the show notes for for people to donate. Um, and uh, I'm so glad we did this. I hope that I didn't overstep by by asking crazy. No, you didn't. I just like no. I just um, I just really need to go to therapy, and we know this. <laughs> we know this. We we know. <laughs> That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. Man, that Aubrey Plaza is one of a kind. <laughs> I, uh, I, I've laughed very, very hard 
I don't know if you could tell how hard I was laughing. And uh, watch that movie, Black Bear. Dig that one up wherever you can find it, because, man, that's a, that's a really, really cool indie film. Our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salomone and Joseph Berbiglia, consulting producer Seth Barish, sound mix by Kate Belinsky, associate producer Mabel Lewis, special thanks to my consigliere Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. As always, a special thanks to my wife, the great J-Hope Stein. Our book, The New One, is at your local bookstore, which you should be supporting. And if you're enjoying the book, write a review and the thing of the, the thing of the stars and the thing in the poo. As always, a special thanks to my daughter Una, who created this radio fort. Thanks most of all to you who have listened. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're working it out. See you next time, everybody.